0: Find us on Twitter at SuperFlexShow, and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, SuperFlex, on the SuperFlex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads, my name is Peter Howard, at P. A. Howard on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. In fact, this week we're talking to Nate Polvert, uh, Jen's husband. Jen is awesome, kicking my ass in several leagues right now. We don't have the budget to get Jen, but... Nate said he'd be willing to come on, and he's kind of like a lower-budget gent. No, not really. I was really looking forward to Nate. He's been out for a while. He works for a whole bunch of different sites. He's a bit of a new Dynasty player, which is great because he is optimistic. I remember the bad years, and I fear them coming back. I um, really enjoyed his uh, players I'm interested in in Dynasty list as well, particularly because it's a little bit left of field. It's a little bit left of center. It's a little bit unusual... And I think you're gonna like it. You're at the dynastic crossroads
1: that film and analytics create. The dynastic crossroads that film and analytics create.
0: Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. um yeah with that being said uh let's start there who, who are you and what what do you do i guess would be the first obvious question so my name is
2: nate polvo um i am a sit down this is going to take a minute because um, i just overload myself with work i am a writer a podcaster and the digital media co- coordinator and co-owner of in between media I am a feature writer for Fantasy Pros. I am a writer for Trophy Smack. Um, I'm also actually for... Sorry, for Fantasy Pros, I have got an in-season DFS article I'm going to be writing, which is pretty exciting. Um, kind of new to me, but I'm excited for it. And then I've got offensive line rankings at Fantasy Pros. 32 and 32 with my wife, Jen, which will be a podcast that we'll be doing every weekend season. Coming off the edge with my friends Jeff Bell and Corey Spela and Herms and Chef. And I think that's everything I do for now. Running through the
0: Trophy Smack Riders, I guess, because I was talking to Mike last week.
2: Mike's the man. Uh, he's one of He was one of the first people that really kind of accepted me into this community when I started writing. And he's just such a great guy. And I I got to work with him a little bit at Fantasy Intervention. So I'm really like kind of excited that I get to work with him again.
0: He's all right. You know, I wouldn't, you know, it's he's, he's all right. Um, he, uh, based on what we were talking about, um, or oh, my conversation with him last week, I found him to be very micro market heavy, or at least that's what I call it, because that's what Dynasty, uh, not Dynasty, um, Zach Reed calls it a lot, and I've just kind of adopted the term, um, where he's looking for value shifts, really in smaller time windows. So he expects the White Brothers, as he called them, rookies rashad white and samir white to increase in value relatively soon and so he's targeting them from this rookie class and last week he last year he was talking about mac jones maybe starting week one and getting in Mm -hmm. ahead of that gave him an advantage in dynasty and i kind of like that I like that smaller window for dynasty i think most dynasty players tend to try to play Dynasty more yearly or even in three years windows, whereas I've always tried to play more in a one-year window with an eye to the future. And so I like the idea of taking advantage of the exact, like the antithesis of the tendency of Mm -hmm. Dynasty Twitter. Um, How do you go about looking for your edges? Or I mean, do you like young players? Do you like old players? Do you play like Mike and you're looking for players who might get more volume than some expect right now? Or is there some type of thing you go looking for in season?
2: So in I, I play it like redraft. <clears throat> once the season starts, I've got my deeper stashes. I've got my taxi guys. I've got my younger guys that I like. <clears throat> A lot of them are stashes. A lot of my leagues are very deep benches. But then once I'm in season, like I, I really try and look at some of these guys, predict what the, how I feel like the next year's draft class is going to be deal picks for veterans that provide value that have shown value that I can get for maybe a little bit cheaper than a high priced veteran guys that will add value to my roster. And I I just try and chip it away at leagues like that. I've been really successful with it. Um, A weird acquisition was Amon Ra last season. I traded for him a couple weeks before he went off. I just, I don't know why I just, I had this feeling that he was going to be valuable to me at some point down the road. And I had the capital to acquire him and acquiring him sent me to the championship. I didn't think I was going to get that far. There are some pretty powerful teams in that league. If you think you, if you, my, if I like a guy, I'm going to go after him <clears throat> right now. I love Davis mills, love Davis mills. I think that there is a really good chance that in two seasons, he's a QB one tier player in dynasty. And that may not pan out, but right now yeah. his value is so insanely low. I mean, he, in redraft, he's basically, I think he's QB 29 somewhere around there. And he's a bit similar value in dynasty. There are some guys that are more savvy that maybe I can't get him from, but I just, he's one of those guys. I see where he could take off and how good he looked from week 14 on. When he got the starting job last season, he was QB 10 in that stretch. And that means something. Cause that was a bad team. <clears throat> and they've got a better offensive line. Like looking at things like that, I guess is my like super, super long answer.
0: No problem. Um, Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's always there are more um, Gardner Minshew's than uh, Tom Brady's, I guess, would be the opposite of that, or Dak Prescott, for that matter. So I err on that side of caution. Um, You said you write for Trophy Smack and all these other places. Uh, What what do you tend to write about?
2: So Trophy Smack's all satire. That one's just, I'm just trying to have fun. It's funny. There's no real stats or analysis involved. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm writing a... draft strategy series just kind of explaining some of the different draft strategies uh this last one i wrote which hasn't come out yet i compared zero rb and robust rb to being in a buffet so it's kind of like fun stuff like that um in between is more of kind of like life stuff i guess is more along the lines of what i write um, and then fantasy analysis a new waiver wire in season for them and fantasy pros, I'm doing DFS offensive line, and then off I just I write a bunch of dynasty stuff, dynasty chatter, players I like, players I don't like, strategies I like, strategies I don't like. Um, I did a dynasty takeover tips column this <laughs> offseason, so just kind of stuff like that. So whatever, whatever Pat Fitzmorris will throw at me, I'll take it.
0: Fair enough. Um, so. I guess a, a good in here is like um strategy you mentioned several times like what do you think starting a starting a dynasty draft what what are you trying to do with the first round this year or the second round do you have a general philosophy going in or a way you approach a draft as far as like a startup draft or rookie draft yeah. start, so let's start, start from the beginning
2: okay so we'll do with with a startup i'm looking to build a team that can win now I'm not as worried about building a youthful team year one and year two. I can do that in the draft in future seasons if I want. And you will find in a lot of dynasty drafts, that there's some really good late round rookie values that could pan out as like spot plays, flex plays, things like that. Uh, Michael Carter comes to mind when he was a rookie. I, like he was a, he was a pretty good value in startups, <clears throat> but I try, I try and build mostly a team of vets that can win that year. And then I know in the next – Two to three years, I can back up what I have, kind of build back with the younger team, if that makes sense. Like,
0: I want to kind of buy acquiring draft picks rather than spending them, maybe. Exactly. I
2: don't like losing. I'm not Who a does? fan. Nobody, but some people Buffing are patient. Me. I'm not patient. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I want ah. to win now. So, when I go into startups, like, I just, like, if I can win this season, I can build on that even if that means my quarterback is a 45-year-old Tom Brady, who I feel like is going to have a stellar season this season and could
0: lead me to a fantasy championship.
2: And I can get him at a later round in most Dynasty startup drafts.
0: How long have you been playing Dynasty or writing about it at least?
2: Mm. I've been writing about it for a year and a half. I've been playing it for two and a half.
0: Right. The, pan- the pandemic.
2: Found- the pandemic really changed things. I found a whole world of fantasy football I didn't know existed.
0: Yeah, it'll swallow you up too, man. <laughs> it'll swallow you up good and proper. Um, do you find you've changed over the last two years since getting more into Dynasty? Like, is there be... one thing that you found that you thought to begin with and it's changed now? Kind of
2: I pay more attention to some of the deeper stats and trends, which I never did before. When you're just doing strictly redraft, you don't... I mean, you're. I was a very casual, casual player. I was in like two to three redraft leagues a year. The thing about Dynasty I've noticed is that I've become far more analytical as a manager, um, and it happens every season. I start paying attention to more stats, more numbers. Uh, I'm more tuned in. I got PFF. I paid for PFF premium this year. It's like I'm tired of having to dig everywhere for stats. I'm more in tune with things. I think, <clears throat> and a lot of there's a lot of things that weren't talked about before I got into Dynasty. Deeper stats, average depth of target looking at historical trends, paying more attention to coaching contracts is a big thing too. Um, I've become far more knowledgeable about contracts over the last like eight to 10 months. Dynasty is interesting. And I I've told some people, I actually, we brought some of our home league, which we've had for 13 years now into an IDP dynasty league last season. Oh, to no. the startup. No, it was, it's been great. They've loved it. Um, and I told them and the people i convinced to do it i said you will be a better redraft player if you play dynasty because you have to stay tuned in all season obviously no you better thing. stay i had
0: sorry this No, I, I don't recognize that word and uh, right.
2: no, <laughs> no, no i'm just, that's my that's my new favorite shirt my dlf shirt that you gave me at the expo i wear it all <laughs> the time i was trying to bait jackson just started kindergarten And the first full day of school, when I know we were going to be standing in a room with all the parents, I wore that shirt. So like, if anybody plays fantasy football, they'll see this and be like, I should talk to that guy. I just want to know the
0: dads who play football, fantasy football.
2: At the moment, it's It's so soft. soft. Oh, so soft. soft.
0: Something about the LF shirts, man. All those nerds over there, they make everything a little softer.
2: (laughs) Well... Thank you for that, guys.
0: <laughs> no problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm just sticking on the startup draft here, like, what are you doing in the first round? You know, Dynasty is a heavy wide receiver, heavy space for various different arguments, but you've, where well, you're, you think of yourself as more win now. Do you find yourself going running back? Like, is it Christian McCaffrey first round for you this year, or is it Justin Jefferson mm. or Jamal Chase? I suppose it, if it's single QB,
2: no super flex. Probably Jonathan Taylor. I have concerns about CMC on multiple levels. Um, His injury history worries me, and the hamstring injuries worry me, and the amount of volume he might see worries me. He might have a good season this season, but does he? he This reminds me of Terrell Davis. Mm -hmm. Dude had five stellar seasons, but once the injuries started to happen, he couldn't. He just simply couldn't produce because he couldn't take that kind of volume his body couldn't handle it. Jonathan Taylor's my guy. Um, I love Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to be a star in this league for a long time. If we're talking super flex, it's obviously my first pick is Josh Allen. If he's on the board, I'm going quarterback in the first round. Um, If I'm in the first probably like five to six picks, probably going quarterback after that, Justin Jefferson's going to be my next pick off the board.
0: Yeah. I, I, Completely disagree on Christian McCaffrey. If you no, know, I'm running back, I'm gonna take the guy with the highest ceiling. Um and John, um honestly we're in a bit of a running back uh, dead zone, I guess. For the last four years. Yeah. Again, the points per game has dropped off the last four years. Um we are do some returns this year. Christian McCaffrey's Facum Barkley going out last year as part of what has diminished it recently. And like you said, with the injuries, but I uh, know. Um not to disagree, but you know, I've got to put it out there. And especially when, like, I just saw that you've written about offensive lines. Um, not offensive, you probably pronounce it better than that to make it not sound like an insult. But <laughs> um, I've cut that bit out. Uh, and you must know about looking at offensive lines. It has such a drastic effect. The running back is such a unit position, if you know what I mean? Yes, um, so. And that worries me because, you know, we don't even know offensive linemen's names.
2: Well, I kind of do.
0: <laughs> well, you probably do. I mean, you just wrote them up. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. I mean, but like to your remembering 160 names, yeah. you know, it's funny when um, Pat gave me that assignment, asked me if I would be willing to do it for fantasy pros. I said yes, but the way he worded the question, I thought I had to write a paragraph on every single offensive lineman. I said in my first paragraph of my first player, like, is this kind of like along the lines of what you're looking for? It's like, Oh buddy, you don't have to write up a paragraph on every lineman. that would take you like what? Three weeks. Like, yeah, I'm three weeks out from when it's due. I was planning on it, <laughs> but it, it's, it's an interesting learning experience. Like today. So Alex Leatherwood got cut. I had him projected as a starter, everything that I read, everything, all of my research that I did, Leatherwood was a starter. Leatherwood was going to have his chance to redeem himself from last season. Everybody expected he would. He had learned a lot. Dudes, out of a job, out the door today. That's one of the craziest things about doing all of this is how quickly things can change and how right. little we actually know. It's so much guesswork. And it's educated guesswork, sure. But, like, it's a lot of guesswork. I mean, very well. Marlon Mack got cut today, as I'm sure everyone is well aware of if you have a Twitter account or you're in a Facebook fantasy group or whatever. Um, And everyone is now anointing Damian Pierce, basically the uh, RB1 for 2022, it sounds like. But people are forgetting Rex Burkhead garnered a lot of the uh, passing work in that offense last season. Why would that necessarily change? Pretty much the same quarterback. A coach who was on the staff last season. What if it is Rex Burkhead? It makes sense it would be Damian Pierce. He's the rookie. He's the guy you assume is taking that starting job and why Marlon Mack was cut. But we don't actually know. Nobody's in that office. We don't know what they're talking about. Best we can do is guess. And a lot of the times, we guess wrong.
0: Recognize that there's variance and outranking everyone at every opportunity is probably unlikely because there are a lot of smart players in your league. There are a lot of smart players in fantasy, much smarter people than me. And so instead, you're just starting looking for value from consensus. That's what Adam Harstead is t- always talking about. I think when yeah. he's talking about the value of ADP and the ad- value of ADB fallers, it's taking a step back to realize you can be arrogant, by not being arrogant ha 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 you're all idiots not for, for being too arrogant you know it's fun you do you're being arrogant about yeah, it yeah. but also you're trying to be humble like you don't know so you'll take um extra expected value or extra uh, potential value based on the fact that are oh, there's a someone falling in adp i just read that sounded really complicated in my head it sounded really simple um so yeah with my target share article for example i can limit the sample down to like um by week three i can get you a list of players through target share that incorporates 98 9 let's just say 90% of all top 12 wide receivers, right? Which sounds great, until you realize there are about 46 wide receivers that actually cross that threshold, and so you're <laughs> throwing a dart at a really big target. If you go and trade for one of those 46 players in Dynasty, you spend significant capital because they're normally not free, right. and if they are, you just go and add them immediately, um, and you can easily miss because only 30% of players in that sample are actually going to be top 12 players or turn out to be those top 12 players it gets even more drastic when you look week by week and like by week three about 58 percent of top 12 players were already in the top 12 in points per game which is great but then you've got injuries and real life and you realize to get to 100 you basically have to get to the end of the season because that interplay between being wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 8 is actually pretty common throughout the season because it's a <laughs> weekly game that we play and we get so used to looking at it from the off-season perspective, from a year-to-year point of view. Um, and which also brings me back to stats instead of just talking at you, which is uh,
2: <laughs> I love what you said, because I think that people get so lost in stats at times. And this is probably more speaking to other analysts than the common fantasy player, obviously. But we get so lost in stats at times, that we forget to factor in coaching staff, situation, players around another player. I think that's where we're at with Damian Pierce. Yeah, he's looked great in the preseason, but this is still the Houston Texans. And it's Lovey Smith, who was an assistant coach in that system last season. We've seen Lovey Smith already fail at the NFL level as a head coach. Do we really think that he's... Like, What is does this... People forget the stats are only a piece of the pie when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with a player in fantasy. It's not... A Philip Lindsay? Would anybody have seen Philip Lindsay having two consecutive seasons rushing for twelve hundred yards and being a relevant running back in the NFL going undrafted? Nobody saw that coming. The first season was cool. Nobody saw Some the second saw season that. coming. Some I mean, to be fair, he was not to- me. I was
0: I'm not I'm not vector lapping there. I like Philip oh. Lindsay happening, but I got introduced to it by um I think Jake Anderson was one of the first ones to uh, point that out to me. The former tape grinder of the crossroads. If if I remember right, Zach Reed liked him as well.
2: I remember Zach Reed liking him. I think I remember Jake liking him too. Um,
0: Same with Almond Ross St. Brown, who a lot of people probably felt came from nowhere, but Mm -hmm. nerds like me who love lower-drafted players and college stats were like, no, he's decent, he's really good. Um, But the idea is to adjust quickly when uh, the more obvious something becomes true, if you know what I mean. And the best edge i found in fantasy really is to do that equation better. Not try to hit better than everyone else, but miss better and also adjust more quickly, but not too quickly. I mean, not too quickly. For example, Terrence Marshall last year had a decent target share for the first three weeks. And To go back to your online rankings a little bit, because it's something I've looked into, and I found they were relatively inconsistent year over year using like fantasy outsiders' ranks. And that was my main takeaway, the idea that targeting running backs based on O-line rank was dubious at best, especially since some of the best hits, especially outside of ADP or relative to ADP, came from the worst O-lines from the previous year. So can you advance me a little bit? I wrote that several years ago. Did you find anything that's a little bit more actionable or something different than that? So
2: it was a lot of information and I'm still in the thick of really kind of quantifying all of it. One thing that stuck out to me was how bad Pittsburgh's offensive line was last season and will be again this season, but how good Najee Harris was. And some of these bad offensive lines didn't seem to matter as much to the the higher tier players like Najee Harris um, is the only example is popping into my head right now. Offensive line matters if you have an aging immobile quarterback. So, Atlanta's offensive line was terrible last season. Matt Ryan was terrible last season. Now Matt Ryan goes to Indy where he's got one of the better offensive lines in the league. He's got Quentin Nelson, one of the better offensive linemen in the league. I like Matt Ryan a lot more this season with that offensive line. I worry about Marcus Mariota in Atlanta because that line's so bad, but I worry about him a little bit less because he's mobile enough. Unlike Matt Ryan, where he can get out and around in a way. <clears throat> I think that Andy's offensive line being so good last season highlights just how bad of a quarterback Carson Wentz is. Because he had all the time in the world to throw. The Jets' offensive line was actually fairly decent last season. Zach Wilson took too long to throw the ball, and I think that's an indictment on him. And we saw if he doesn't get better with that, this just line is still, I mean, they lost McKay Becton, which is gonna hurt. <clears throat> It, I, it doesn't affect the running back position as much as you would expect. I suppose this is kind of my big takeaway. It affects the quarterback position and it affects wide receivers to an extent, That's more different. so it, it really affects the quarterback because if the guy, I mean, if you think about it, if a quarterback doesn't have a sufficient amount of time to throw, if he's got less than two seconds in the pocket to go, you've got to be Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady to overcome that. A lot of guys, Taylor Heineke's not going to overcome a bad offensive line. It's not going to happen. Tua could because he's mobile. Kyler Murray will overcome it because he's mobile. That's
0: interesting. It reminds me – I remember Josh Hermsmeyer and others talking about how your accuracy when you're under pressure is better than your accuracy when you're not under pressure, surprisingly. And that almost correlates. Like good quarterbacks are the ones who – That seems to relate to what you're saying. It's almost like if you want to know who's good at the quarterback position, you look at who's under pressure and doing well. But if you want your quarterback to do better, take the pressure off him. Those two things seem to yin and yang, you know?
2: However, I will say there are some quarterbacks, like I think Drew Locke needs to be a guy who's under pressure and moving out of the pocket to be a successful quarterback. I think if you put him in Atlanta, I think he might actually thrive because he's on the move. He was better on the move in Denver than he was in the pocket with time. Denver's got a pretty decent offensive line. They protected Locke. He held onto the ball too long. Shermer needed to get him outside of the pocket. With a bad offensive line, he has no choice. So he's probably a better quarterback. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but from from a fantasy perspective, I mean, he makes less mistakes when he's on the run. And a bad offensive line forces him to be on the run. From a football perspective, that's horrible. But from a fantasy perspective, I have some Drew Locke shares in Dynasty still because I have like 20 bench spots. And who else am I going to pick up?
0: What <laughs> <of> the spots <laughs> like, have they. I mean... <laughs> so, I mean um, some. All right. I'm going to... All right, let's do this. So, Jane McKissick... Davis Mills and Matt Ryan are the three big players I'm taking away. And if you happen to add them to your dynasty team and win or have positive experience for it, before you hit up Nate at Nate Polvitt this season, because frankly, I don't think I've heard anyone else mention them, except for Jacob Rickrow pointing out that everyone hates Matt Ryan unduly in best ball, which I've had a lot of Matt Ryan. What can I say? Um, Because it's fair and interesting point. But how about rookies? Because these are all old and underrated. Like even if you win with these guys, you're not excited. Have you got any right. rookie takes you want to put out there? Like, are you all in on Damian Pierce? Because you're a fool. Or... <laughs> I am.
2: I think Rex Burkhead is going to steal a lot of work from him. I think people are too excited about a fourth round running back with the Houston Texans. No, uh, I like I, I like Brees Hall. I don't like him as much as everyone else likes him this season, because I still think Michael Carter's talented enough that he's going to get some of the work.
0: I feel like it's going to be
2: I think it's going to be a split. He had one less carry than Javante Williams, their co-senior season at North Carolina, but he had 200 more yards rushing than Javante Williams. Plus, he was the primary receiving target out of the backfield in North Carolina. Michael Carter's a better running back than people think. Um, I'm excited to see Jerion Ely. Did he make the Chiefs today? I didn't see that he got cut. I feel like he could be that guy that is the new Tyree Kill, because I'm not excited about this guy more. Jerion Ely's quick. He's a running back by trade. But he plays You know, it's okay
0: to make your 2022 rookie take. Don't want them. Like I'm, a, I'm in on that this year. I don't like 2022 rookies. I don't that either. Much. I think there I are don't many either. good ones. I don't know. There. Are I mean, the right. god, the
2: quarterback position is putrid. Really. Really.
0: I know. I th- I'm starting to feel like because we knew that so early, it feels like that's underrated. Like I don't think they're my Mahomes, but I think Pickett could, you know, not be awful the worst quarterback ever. I think
2: Pickett has a chance of being kind of like a middle of the road guy, maybe like a a QB 12 to 15. I don't think there's anything more than that to him. I think, I think the quarterback I'm most excited to see progress. And I know it's not going to be this season. And I know you already know who I'm going to say is Malik Willis. I think he has the most upside of any quarterback in this draft. Sam Howell's fine. I think Sam Howell's probably starting by midseason in Washington. We'll see. I just, Carson Wentz is terrible. I'm bummed that Matt Corral got hurt, <clears throat> is done for the season. I think we might have seen him towards the back end of the season if Carolina was bad, just to see what they have. I think we might see Desmond Ritter by, like, week 10, 11, 12, when Atlanta's won two games with Marcus Mariota. Outside of that, like, Christian Watson, I think, has been way overvalued. I never, never liked him. Drake London, we'll see. I don't know. I know Rubio
0: Dubs pushed Watson's value down. So
2: So much. It was so funny. So I love Seth Wilcock. Business partner, one of my best friends in the world. But he was so high on Christian Watson. So high on Christian. Christian Watson is going to be the best wide receiver in this class. Okay. I get it. Really great situation with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw the ball to rookies. Mm. They don't get any significant volume. He just doesn't do it. He likes his veteran guys. And while we may debate on, is that smart on his part? It doesn't matter because it's what he does. Christian Watson could be all world. And Aaron Rodgers could be a prick about it. Be like, yeah, but you're a rookie. So I'm going to throw to Randall Cobb, Sammy (laughs) Watkins, and Alan Lazard. And Robert Tony
0: in fact you know I do underdog drafts for fun because I can't continuously draft dynasty teams it's too much of a commitment so I do underdog Mm -hmm. drafts and when I'm drafting everyone's got it you got to take a shot on some Green Bay wide receiver this year I think it's more likely Aaron Rodgers is top 12 not top five this year and it just spreads throughout the offense but why not take a shot and it's Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb almost every time like why not I really think I really think
2: Randall Cobb's being undervalued at this point, yeah, I,
0: people honestly don't know he's still,
2: he's on back on the team. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it means something that Aaron Rodgers said. I want my starting wide receivers to be Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, and Alan Lazard. <laughs> that means like that's what he wants. Dude he clearly took a hard ayahuasca trip, saw these three in his future, and just made <laughs> it happen. Which is, I love this journey for Aaron Rodgers. He's turned into kind of a weird prick, but. um, I love that he's admitted to taking hallucinogenics. Good for you, man. Then he go yes. out and win, go win two MVPs or something. Yeah, this rookie class. You're right. This rookie class is pretty much shit. There isn't much All to right. it to like. Like, I like a few spots, but yeah, I get there's a there's a handful of guys, but guys who are going to hit this season. Maybe Brees Hall. All right. Maybe Kenny Pickett um, gets a chance to start.
0: I think at this point, if he you know starts for the majority of the year or any, any of the year, he's going to be a hit because everyone's basically given up on him. Right. Um, and, you know, that's fine. Like, like you say, I've not seen a lot of upside, but I'll take free points if they're free. Um, what work are you doing lately, Nate? Um, I've seen you doing a lot of betting and DFS stuff what that's not dynasty so i know nothing about it but like what's that (laughs)
2: uh some people have decided that i might know some things about betting in dfs so i will be writing a weekly dfs column for no house advantage slash fantasy pros which is fun and exciting Uh, i never thought i'd be writing a weekly for fantasy pros so i'm stoked about that i'm going to be doing a twitter spaces every week with joe pepe for wager wire so that'll be a fun one that's a really interesting platform um and I got asked to do a local radio show based on betting. So that's fun. It's pretty cool. And, uh, my father-in-law was super excited about it. So I'll take it. He doesn't get excited about much that we do here. I think he <laughs> kind of wonders, like, what the hell are you guys Why? doing <laughs> football all day?
0: Seriously. No, um, well, Nate, I hate most of the things you said. And I have an entirely different process. But I actually can't argue with a value list that includes JD McKissick and Davis Mil- Like. These are not just low value and therefore, you know, easy to add to a dynasty roster, which is usually the opposite of dynasty. Or like, mm. you, dynasty takes are usually trade all your first round picks or one of them for these four players who cost multiple first round picks. But this is a list that's actually attainable: Jamie McKissick, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, um, even Michael Carter is a, you know a, a kind of a flyer right now. So I kind of love where you've ended up. And I really enjoy talking to you. And so if you go and win your league with any of those players, be sure to hit up Nate and say thank you. Cause literally no other dynasty quant I bring up is going to tell you to go draft. Uh, who was it? Jay Ely and Randall Cobb. Yay. But no, seriously. I love that. That's awesome. Man. Jerry and
2: Ely is a kind of a deep one. If you've got a deep bitch, go after Jerry and Ely. The dude, he's so, he's just so fast. That's, that's what I took away like, I couldn't believe how fast this little 58 dude was and like he played so much bigger in college should be
0: big Nate no um all right uh yeah before we go I'm just gonna need to say that David Bell is actually the rookie that you meant to mention you know. Dave,
2: I like David oh, Bell
1: yeah chicken a crow chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll Twitter is gold player run phone so Jake on the table and they on the play. though. Deed enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got there in lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order They disorder more and more because the players ain't no older They some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders Stick got that eye, eye like more Peak grinding numbers like molars I don't know anymore, I am at across crossroads Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold so Jake on the table and they on the plazo. though. Pete and the it's a they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So Jake on the table and they on the place though. Pete and the it's a they're analytical.